Bags down, spikes on. Welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News presented by the Harrier. And today we have a very special guest joining us, one half of the Will Williams siblings. He is a 2017 NCAA champion, as well as a, a U.S. champion 2019 uh, and competed on both the 2017 and 2019 world teams in the decathlon. We have uh, Devin Williams. Uh, Devin, thanks for, for joining us today, man. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Uh, and so as we speak, so I'm not sure if the official ratings are out, but you're, you're a Georgia Bulldog. And just last night, as of recording this, had a tough loss against Alabama um, in the SEC championship. But you're probably still in really good position to be able to make it to the college football playoff. Um, tell me, what are your thoughts right now going into now, hopefully the postseason for, for Georgia football? Are you going to be able to get it done? Man, I thought I was for sure we we're gonna get it done last night. That was, I was for sure. I, I would have bet money on on Georgia this year um, in the SEC. But I mean, I think, I mean, we'll we'll still be in the playoffs, um, and I think there's still a chance we could play Bama again in the national championship. Um, and if that happens, I'll still I'll still bet on Georgia. And I think after seeing Alabama, I think that Georgia will. If we have the opportunity to play them again, I think they'll come back and they'll be ready uh, in the national championship. But I will say that Nick Saban is the GOAT because they had some tough, some tough, some hard fought wins this year that they barely, it seemed like they barely scraped by to get. And I think that's why a lot of people were counting them out. But he had them ready for this game. Like they played so well. And I don't think anybody, well, at least for me, I wasn't expecting them to play that well because they really just like manhandled us all game. Yeah, I think that they, they might have glossed over the Iron Bowl the week before, and that's why it was so close focusing in on this game because it's like if, you, if they lost against you guys, their, their chances of getting to the playoffs would have been pretty tough. So they probably brought their A game because you guys have been so dominant this year, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that we had only let teams score like seven points. Like that was the most that they have scored on, on Georgia all year. So for them to put up 42, like they, were, they came to play like they were ready. Exactly. exactly. Well, I'm excited to see what the college football playoff looks like. Hopefully we'll, we'll get a rematch uh, between the, the U2 schools because it seems like it's just the, the number one, number two school in the country right now, pretty much. Yeah. Um, next, before we get into some of your track stuff, I was taking a look at your Twitter and I wanted I had some questions about some older tweets <laughs> that you might have had. Uh, so we're, we're going to go back on uh, a few of those. So first one, this is. This oh, man. This was from 8-12-2020, so a little, a little while ago. So dogs are smart, dumb. Uh, what oh. do you mean dogs are smart, dumb? Let's, let's hear what, that, what you're talking about there. I remember tweeting that, but I don't remember exactly what my dogs were doing. But my dogs had just did something, and uh, it just made me think, like, my dogs are super smart, but then they have moments that they're just, like, super dumb. Like, they'll just do something dumb. And it was like one of those moments they just did something that was like super dumb. And I was like, dogs are smart, but they're dumb too. And I wish I remember what they did, but that's where that tweet came from. Yeah. Same, same here with my dog. Like there'll be times like he'll be like, Oh, 
can kind of like tell that I'm like upset or something and trying to like, you know, console me. And then other times like, why are you ripping up the pillow for no reason? Like what, what yeah. is going on? I think, I think, uh, I don't know if this was it exactly, but like an example that just popped in my head was like my dog, he'll, um, he might like bring me toys and stuff and like, I'll tell him to go get something. But then, um, like all of a sudden I'll just tell him like to go get something. He'll just stare at me. Like I'm like, he doesn't know what I'm trying to say to him or like, he doesn't know what to do. Um, so that, that's like another example of like probably something along the lines of what I was talking about. Like, you know what I'm telling you to do, but now you're just like, it just seems like you're just lost. It's like one of those moments. <laughs> yeah. Know what you mean. Know what you mean. Uh, <laughs> last one uh, for you. So this was on just a month before. So 7, 15, 2020 said, if you got over four wheels, get out of the fast lane. So I'm guessing <laughs> something happened. Someone was riding slow. You remember what's Man, going on about there? I think about that tweet often. Yeah, I was, I remember that one. I was uh, behind like a, a Camaro or something on the highway and they're in the fast lane. Oh no, what was the tweet again? I'm uh, thinking of a if, different tweet. Yeah, if you got over four wheels, get out of the fast lane. So I'm guessing like maybe a truck, uh, like six wheels or something like that. Yeah, okay, I'll tell you about the other tweet I was just talking about, but that tweet that you said, um, yeah, I was just behind like a big semi-truck and they were just going probably like, 50 or 60 in the fast lane and I'm just like like I'm just I think I was probably like riding back from my house in Kennesaw back to the school in Athens so I was riding like an hour and a half um and I tried to do it all like in the fast lane and I just hate like when big trucks are just like just hogging up the fast lane and you gotta go around them like they won't move um so that's what that was about but what I was what I was thinking that you were talking about was a tweet from years ago, actually, that I remember tweeting. Um, and I think the tweet was like, if you're in a fast car, I don't understand why you go, why you drive so slow in the fast lane. Cause I remember I was behind like a Camaro one day and it was just like, it was going like probably like 40, 40 or 50 miles an hour on the highway in the fast lane. And I'm like, you in probably one of the fastest cars like <laughs> that's around you right now. And you're just cruising. Like you can get all the way to the right if you want to cruise. But yeah, those that's where those came from. I feel you. I'm gonna I get the same where I'll be in the, the fast lane or, or I'm passing people on the right, like, come on, like let you you should know what, what you should be doing by now. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I feel you. Uh, and so now I wanted to to get back to to where track kind of got started off for you. So you and your sister, both um, elite level athletes. Uh, I was wondering, how was it like for you two growing up? Was it very competitive as as you guys were were getting older and still you know running around on the playground? You know what was it what was it like having you know two top level athletes as as kids running around the same household? Yeah, it was it was nice. Um, it was never competitive between me and her, but. I was always competitive against like my, who I was competing against, like whether it was, on, whether it was on the field, on the track, on the court. Um, like I've always been a competitor, but my dad just kind of molded me and Kendall not to compete against each other. So we, we never grew up with that mindset of, Oh, I gotta, I gotta beat you or you gotta beat her. She gotta beat me. It was never like that. It was more, it was always support between us. Um, and that's, pretty much the reason why we stuck together like throughout our whole journey um was just kind of just the way we grew up um and the the camaraderie we had with each other 
uh, it was never like a competitive environment between us. It was more so just, you know, help each other to grow. And uh, we were always practicing with each other. Uh, we pretty much played all the same sports besides like a few, obviously. But like growing up playing football, she was always a cheerleader for my team. Uh, obviously, we grew up in track together. <laughs> we grew up playing basketball kind of together, but she wasn't very good at basketball. <laughs> so she didn't really play that long. Um, and I think pretty much the only sport we didn't really play together was baseball. Cause, I mean, obviously, I was just playing baseball. Um, but yeah, we pretty much grew up um, pretty much in the same sport all the way. We're still together, actually. So yeah, our whole life we've been together. Yeah, it's it's always been the the two like tied together like at the hip and and something that uh, I didn't realize until this year uh, was that you guys aren't actually twins. They're, you're you're separated by uh, a year. Like, how often do you guys just get assumed like, oh yeah, you you guys are twins because you're you know similar age doing the same type of thing? More than I would have guessed. I didn't. For one, I don't think we look that much alike, but we do get asked a lot if we're twins or like we get mistaken as twins and every time I'm like what do y'all see that we don't see because I see a lot of differences <laughs> between us um based on our appearance but we actually get that question a lot and it might be just because people see us together all the time um and we like I said grew up doing the same things pretty much but yeah we get that question a lot actually yeah so for you guys and for for you especially growing up when was it that you kind of realized, oh, I'm I'm pretty good at at sports. Obviously, you you competed in the multi in in college, but uh, for you, when was it that you kind of realized in in track and field or, or just in sports in general that hey, you can actually compete in college and you're you're good enough to take it to the next level? Well, that was all I wanted to do growing up was be athlete. Um, I remember being in elementary school and they would ask us like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And all I could ever come up with was a professional athlete. Um, even even through like teachers telling me, oh, it's so hard to be a professional athlete, like only 1% make it. Um, and that was just what I wanted to do. And I would try to like force myself to like come up with what I'd want to be outside of an athlete. And I could never like find something that resonated with me. Um, and I would put like, Sometimes I would put other stuff just to like kind of appease my teachers or whoever was asking me, some, whatever adult was asking me. Um, I would put like firefighter or teacher, but that was re never really what I actually wanted to be. It was always an athlete. Um, so I think <clears throat> just growing up with that mentality and then also growing up um, in sports, like I, I played almost every sport growing up um, from baseball to track, obviously. Football was my first love. Um, uh, I wrestled for a little while. Uh, soccer was one of my first sports. Um, so I played like five or six sports growing up. And there would be times that I would go from a track meet and then me and my dad would jump in the car. I'd be in the backseat changing my clothes into my baseball uniform. Uh, and we go play a baseball game. And he was also the coach of my baseball team too. So I think just growing up like that, along with the mentality of this is what I want to do. Um, I think I just kind of just evolved over time into uh, a better and better athlete. Yeah. 
so mentioning that, it just sounds like you were always bred to be a decathlete. I mean, to go from competing, you're competing in fr every freaking sport under the sun, pretty much. Uh, and then to go from a track meet where most people, they're, they're taking a nap right after to actually then going around and, and playing a baseball game just shows that it looks like you always had that decathlon blood in you. I mean, what, when did you hear about first hear about the decathlon because i know when i was growing up i didn't know too much like how did you get introduced into doing the multi-events um you know at the next level well i started off in track i started off as a sprinter so i was doing uh the 100 the 200 the 400 um and that was pretty much like the three events i was doing and then over time uh, as i got older i started to try other events like long jump high jump um and then as i got even older, then I started trying out the hurdles, um, and that became my my main event. And then I got old enough to do what was then called the what's what's what is called the pentathlon, which is five events. Um, my dad was like, "You might as well just do the pentathlon because you're already doing all these events in the pentathlon, or which make up the pentathlon." Um, so we just tried it, and I was good at it, so we just stuck with it. Um, so I started. So my events became the pentathlon, the 110 hurdles. Uh, well, I guess at that time it was, it might've been the 80 meter hurdles. Um, but then as I got older, it became the decathlon thing. When I turned 13, it went from the pentathlon to the decathlon. Um, so that introduced a lot more events that I wasn't familiar with, like pole vault, javelin, discus, um, all those super technical events. Um, but at that time, my main events were the decathlon, the 110 hurdles and the, the 400 hurdles and the long jump. So in, a, in any given weekend, I could have been doing these 10 events and the decathlon, but then I'm also doing um, the open hurdles, the open 110 hurdles, the open 400 hurdles, open long jump. Uh, yeah, so I, I could have been doing like 14 events in any given weekend. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. It's so taking in, you could be doing those events. Then you got maybe the, the prelims and finals of that. You're, you're almost doing two decathlons in one weekend. Like that, yeah, could, that the, could be the crazy. Decathlon is like the that Thursday and Friday. And then the regular meet is that Saturday and Sunday. So I'm, I pretty much have a four day, four days of competition. Um, and that's kind of how I moved into college just based off of um, what came off of doing those 14 events. And I came into college like, what do you mean I'm not doing the the 110 hurdles, like the open hurdles? I'm just a decathlete. Um, so I wasn't used to like just kind of focusing on just the decathlon because I was doing like so many different things um, that I wasn't even aware that that wasn't like the normal thing to do. It's crazy to think, yeah, you were cutting back events by doing the decathlon. <laughs> like you don't, you, yeah. don't, you don't hear that too often. Uh, and yeah. so... What, what made you end up choosing uh, Georgia? I know you're from uh, the state, and so it was kind of in your backyard. What made you decide to, to go there to continue your collegiate career or to start your collegiate career? Yeah, really, it was just the environment just felt like where I needed to be at that point in my life. Um, and to be honest, coming out of high school, I didn't even want to stay in the state of Georgia. Like I was looking for any excuse to move just because I grew up in Georgia. And I just wanted, I felt like I wanted a new environment, but I went to um, like all my out-of-state visits and I went to Georgia just to kind of see like what was in my backyard. And I didn't really think I would like it as much as I did. But when I got there, um, 
I knew I had some friends that also went there um, that I knew from high school. Uh, so that made me feel comfortable. And then I met um, Petros, who was my coach. And I knew exact, I knew that he was exactly who I needed coming from my dad's program. Um, just based off how technical of a coach he was, how much he knew the event, how passionate he was about the event and his athletes. Um, so when I got there, it just, I just knew like that's where I needed to go. That was my next step. So I went ahead and I made the decision that I didn't want to just go to a school out of state just to say I moved out of Georgia. I wanted to go where I knew I could be the most successful. And so I, I decided to kind of put that thought of just wanting to move to the back, the back burner and just kind of just focus on uh, growing into the, the best athlete that I could be. Yeah. I mean, it looks like Georgia has had a, a long history, especially just recently having a lot of really talented multis. I mean, they've had yourself, they have Kyle Garland, Garrett is doing really well as well as your sister, Kendall. I mean, what, what, what's in the water there over at Georgia that is just making the, the multis. It just seems like every year you've got another person that is either, you know, could, can make another team making the Olympic, whatever it is, there, there's something that is allowing you guys down at Georgia to be growing, to be really good uh, multis out that school. I don't know. I think for one, I got to give credit to Petros' co coaching philosophy and his, his workout plan, because I think, I think that's transformed like a lot of people, including myself, um, into those great athletes and uh, great multi-event people. Um, but also, I think, I think you got to give credit to the, the eye that Petros has, because you mentioned Garrett. Out of, coming out of high school, Garrett hadn't done any decathlon. He had his, his personal best in the decathlon out of high school was zero points because he didn't do it. <laughs> he was just such a good athlete, and Petros saw that and just said that's he's going to be a good Catholic so he recruited him me um I think my my PR coming out of high school was like I don't really remember but probably around like 72,000 7,200 points um something like that and you know that that score is not going to get a ton of money like I didn't have full rides to like every school in the nation um you know a lot of schools were telling me they didn't have that much money um, they had a little bit of money to offer me, but Petros was one of the pretty much the only coach that really like dove in and took a real chance on me and saw like the athlete that he could grow me into, um, based on his workout plan and his, his philosophy. So I think a lot of it comes down to just recruiting the right type of athlete and knowing what they can grow into, um, and not necessarily just, you know, searching for a, a finished product. Because I think that's what a lot of coaches like to do is like they like to see, you know, who's the best right now, and um, you know, whoever is the best, I'm gonna go get them. Whoever might need some improvement, um, you know, I'm gonna offer them chump change and not really spend any time on them or any interest on them. But really, like some some of the best athletes, they, you know, they were underdogs at one point, and I think that's one thing that Petros has been really good at is finding the ones who are hungry and um, the ones that he knows he could grow into great athletes, but also recruiting some of the top athletes too. Like, um, like some of the international athletes he recruited were already good and he knew that he could make them even better. So I think just being, you know, having like a, a well-rounded perspective of the athlete and, and where he can take them. 
Yeah, it's it seems like being able to find those the athletes that have have been in, uh, you know, have seen the 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 you know the development and then growing into being you know hungry athletes and really being to to show your potential and reaching those limits as well as picking those guys that are you know whether it be like call them like blue chip or people that are that are top at the level right now but also noticing the potential of someone that has never done the decathlon or only had 7000 yeah. points in your as a PR and being able to see okay there's still a lot of potential here to be that national champion caliber athlete and I mean for you it, it, it ended up working and in 2017 you guys uh, you and your sister got the the sibling sweep believe it to be the only sibling uh win for national championships at the the same meet I mean could you talk like tie us into what that was like being able to accomplish something that was so storybook with someone that you've been competing your entire life with yeah it was it was an awesome experience for, for my whole family really um one because my parents they were obviously in attendance because they one thing about my parents is they went to every meet that me and Kendall had and they didn't miss any meet in our college career like they traveled to every single competition um so they were there at the at nationals um and it was just super special because um for me I've had like a lot of um disappointments and setbacks so I think that they were just super proud that I had that moment um, just individually. Individually, I think take the, the sibling sweep out of it. I think that they were just like super happy for me to have that moment to myself uh, just because they know exactly what I've been through. Uh, they know the challenges I face. Um, but then once you add my sister into it and we didn't really know that we had made history, like we didn't think about it until like somebody brought up to our attention after the fact. Um, it was just like a special, just a special moment for everybody to just kind of celebrate. And um, yeah, it just, it just meant a lot for us. Yeah. To, to be able to say that you're, you're creating history with someone that is, that you grow up with your, your entire life has got to be, got to be really cool. And, and like you mentioned, you'd, you'd gone through a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And when I was taking a look at your career, like two words really popped into mind, uh, resilience and perseverance. Uh, it seems like, Throughout your career, um, there have been just really inopportune times, whether it be injuries or, or a misstep or a miscue, things have happened. I mean, how for you as a, an athlete, do you stay like laser focused on what you're doing, even though you've had some of these, you know, missteps or miscues throughout your, your career that might limit how, how great, <clears throat> you know, you can, you can, uh, rise to. Right. Um, it was definitely a struggle. Um, I think that the main thing that kind of kept me grounded was, like I said in the beginning, like this was what I wanted to do all my life was just be an athlete. So, um, you know, I love to compete. Um, and I found, I found the beauty in, you know, those setbacks because I realized that every time I had a setback, whenever I would come back from it, I was always in a better position. I was never, um, I was never in a worse position than when I left off. So, um, I just realized that you can get stronger in the background. Like you don't have to, uh, you know, be competing. You don't have to be doing all of the regular workouts to be getting better. Like you can get better in rehab. You can get better uh, focusing on doing different exercises. And then once you get strong enough to get back on the, on the track, 
then you'll be in a better position as long as you, you know, focused and uh, applied yourself in rehab. Um, so that's kind of one of the lessons that I learned throughout all of it. Um, and yeah, I think just, just knowing that this is what I wanted, I think that's why I never really gave up on, you know, sports because, you know, like I said, I played a lot of sports growing up and I had injuries in other sports too. Um, and, you know, all the injuries that I had over the years, I think it could have been easy for anybody to be like, okay, I'm going to go do something else now. Like, I'm tired of getting injured. I'm going to go do whatever. But since this was like what I wanted to do and what I loved doing, I was always engaged with it, even when I wasn't actively competing. So I was always, you know, still watching videos. I was still watching people compete. I was still um, working out, doing what I could. Um, and I loved the whole process. Yeah, it was frustrating, you know, not being able to compete um, and not being able to kind of see all your hard work pay off. But, you know, it makes it that much sweeter when you can come back from all you've been through and have success and do everything that you that you want to do. So, um, you know, I think those are some of the things that I was focusing on in those times that I was out. Um, I was just kind of just hungry to get back and uh, get back on the track and get healthy. Yeah, I, that sounds a lot like the uh, the Rocky quote that I think of. Like, it's not about how hard you hit; it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. It's like it's not about exactly, how yeah. it's about how many times you can get knocked down and then still get back up and and continue with what you're doing. I mean, with uh, yeah. I know I'd sent you over the uh, a, a brief form to fill out, and one quote that you had sent that was like that really kind of resonated with me was the just because you do everything right things can still go wrong. So it's important to always do the best you can, but remember that the results might not work out in your favor. Um, could you kind of touch on, you know, what that means and how someone, especially that might be a young athlete right now, needs, might want to understand like, hey, you can do everything right and the results still might not be, you know, exactly what you, you'd like them to? Yeah, for sure. I think that perspective came from this past season. Um, this past season, well, the 2021 season, um, I would say I did everything as right as I could. Like I was, I was on top of all of my massages. I was getting a massage every week. I was staying on top of my physical therapy. Um, you know, I was stretching, I was icing, I was uh, doing everything right. Like spending a lot of money on my body. Um, and, you know, I had one of the most, injury ridden seasons ever um so a lot of people don't really know kind of what I was like the different injuries I had but you know I had a hamstring issue on one leg and then you know that would heal up and then I kind of when I came back I would kind of um it would still be bothering me a little bit but I'll I try to push through it and eventually that turned into another hamstring injury so at one point I was dealing with two messed up hamstrings um and I kind of let those settle down and heal when I came back then it became my Achilles was giving me issues um and then that was the one that kind of lasted most of the season last year um but like I said I was on top of everything recovery wise all year even before the injuries and even through the injuries um and I just couldn't get right so I think that perspective I think um I think it's important for people who might not have all the resources that a lot of athletes have, a lot of top athletes have, 
don't let the fact that you don't have all those resources be a deterrent from you, you know, striving for something. Because I know there's a lot of people that feel like, oh, I might, I don't have this much money to to spend on myself. I can't, I don't know, I don't know any chiropractors. I don't know any good massage therapists. Uh, I don't know any physical therapists. Um, but you can't let that stop you from, you know, doing your best and still still applying yourself because you don't necessarily need all that stuff to be successful. Um, yeah, it helps. Yeah, it's good to have. Um, but I think last year proved to me that you can do all these things correctly as you're supposed to. And, you know, you still might not have the year that you want. It's not promised just because like you have resources to spend. And that doesn't mean that you're going to get exactly what you work for. Like sometimes it might, it might not work out. Things might not work in your favor. But I think if you if you love it anyways, if you love it despite the fact that you might not get what you want, then that's how you know like it's real. That's how you know like it's worth pursuing because you know a lot of people they just want like they just see the shiny object at the end and say, Oh, I want that. But they're not willing to go through the whole process to get it. And sometimes going through the process to get it means you're gonna fall short a lot of times. So yeah, that's kind of what that perspective meant was just you know, if you don't have it all, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't get it still. Exactly. Yeah. Like you can, you can do everything right and, and not reach your goals. And then there's even times where you could do almost everything wrong and then, then reach a goal. <laughs> like, so yeah. sometimes the world just doesn't make sense. Like it can be like, wait, wait a minute. I, I was staying up late. I was eating junk food before the meat. I was late and I still PR like what, I don't know. So <laughs> that, that doesn't mean you you don't do that the next week. Like that doesn't mean like, Oh, well that that's the key to, to success. It means sometimes things work out. And then there's other times where you fall, you go to sleep on the right time. You, you're on the bus and all that. And then you, you might know, no height or whatever it is. And it's not like a, yeah. Oh, cause I got all this sleep is the reason I know I didn't know. Sometimes things, you know, things are funny. <clears throat> yeah, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Yes. Cause like, cause like you said, like that was one thing that I really improved uh, this past season was my sleep. Like I was really, I was sleeping, um, I don't want to say more. I was sleeping more, but that makes it sound like I was just like sleeping all day. I was really focused on getting a good amount of sleep every night. Um, and that was like a big part of my recovery too. Um, whereas in the past, I might go to sleep and only get like six hours, five or six hours. Um, so yeah, like I said, I, I did everything by the book last year. And, you know, it still didn't happen for me. I still didn't accomplish the goals that I set for myself, um, but I'm still here. And, you know, I think that was just a step in my journey that I just had to go through and had to, I feel like I had to let people know that. Cause I feel like, like I said, there's a lot of people that feel like they don't have the resources. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's not always necessary. Mm -hmm. For sure. And uh, so taking a look at what you've done off the track, you've also created a, a brand for yourself. You're wearing, you're wearing it right now uh, for those that might have seen some of the clips, but me versus me. Uh, and it looks really cool, too, because it's uh, kind of looks like a, a crown as well. Uh, could you yeah. touch on the how you came up with the brand, maybe some things that it might stand for, the reasoning for design, just kind of the inside of, of what it's like to develop your own personal brand there? Um, I developed the brand in 2018 and it actually didn't start off as me versus me. It started as I just wanted like to create something to wear for myself, just my own brand. So it actually started as, um, just some t-shirts that had my initials on it. 
it's just a DW. Um, like I had it made as a as a logo, so it's like a cool font kind of. But then under the my initials, I just I wanted to put something like a like a tagline. I didn't just want to have my initials on the shirt, so I decided it just popped in my head, me versus me. So I put that under the initials, and then over time, I just was thinking, and I was like, I need something else besides like just my initials on the shirt. Uh, like I want something that's more like a broad brand. Like it's not just like Devin Williams. Um, so then I was just like, well, let me just say me versus me. Um, and then, you know, I kind of had an idea how I wanted the logo to look. So I kind of like drew it in my phone in the notes um, and then sent it to uh, like a graphic designer. And he kind of made it uh, more clean and, and digitized it. Um, and that was a different logo than, than this one now. Um, and I kind of sat with that one for a few weeks, but I was like, this logo kind of missing something. Like, I just don't feel like it, it looks exactly like I want it. Um, and then I just kind of took it back to another uh, graphic designer and had him kind of told him like what I wanted to change, um, kind of like the feel of the logo that I wanted, wanted it to have. Um, and the other logo, it was still a crown, but it was just like designed a little different. And then um, the person I was working with sent back this one. And I knew as soon as I saw it, that this was the one I wanted to go with. Um, and the crown before it had like the, the MVM, it still made up like the top of the crown, but the bottom of it was different. And it was kind of shaped a little differently. This one just kind of looked like more official and it was like exactly what I wanted. Um, but the brand, it, it pretty much just means kind of what I just, what I just touched on, like, you can't compare yourself to, you know, the people that that you see around you that might be uh, doing things differently, that might be having success. Uh, you can't compare yourself to, to anybody else. It's all about your journey and the things that you go through because the things that you go through add to your story. And just because you might go through some hard times, that doesn't mean that, you know, you're not inspiring somebody else. That doesn't mean that you're not going to accomplish your goals. If anything, you should let your, your setbacks make you more hungry to get your goals um and that's pretty much what my brand stands for is just you know stand focused on your own journey on your own path um and you know eventually reaching your goals but realizing that along the way you're going to have setbacks and it's important to embrace those setbacks and um just allow them to kind of just feed feed the fire towards you accomplishing everything that you want yeah and i i think that's a very important message especially for any young athletes or whatever it might be. I know when I was in, in high school and in college, I was glued to mile split and tefers or whatever, looking at what other yeah. people and it's like, okay, I got to meet on Saturday. Who's going to be there? I was like, oh, my, my personal best a little bit better. Okay. I'm going to be good. And oh man, this guy, yeah. he got a better PR than me. Just comparing myself to others. And it's like, you get trapped in that world and then you don't work on yourself as much. And then they start passing you. And so it's like, you yeah, know, focus it's really important. Yeah. It's really important for young athletes because I remember uh, growing up in youth track like that was one thing that always annoyed me about it was uh young kids like they would always ask you what's your PR like you'll be in the heats like getting ready to go on the track and some kid in your heats like asking everybody in their heat what's their PR and uh, I remember my dad telling me like um like I, asked, I think I asked him why kids ask that like why are they asking me what my PR is uh, and I remember him telling me like they're just trying to like size you up. Like they want to see how you compare to them. Um, they want to, you know, 
they might be nervous, but they might be asking around to see like if they're the fastest in their heat or if they're the slowest in their heat. Um, so my dad actually used to tell me to like, just tell them uh, like a fake time, like just make up a time, like don't <laughs> tell them my real time. So that's kind of what I used to do as a kid. But um, yeah, I think as kids, like it's easy to fall into that comparison game because as a kid, you, you just want to be accepted. Like you want to feel a part of, of something like you, it's kind of, nerve-wracking to you know not feel like you're accepted not feel um not feel it's, it's uncomfortable to feel independent um so you want to like compare yourself to others um but I think it's important to uh like I said just focus on yourself because especially in track like it's the individual sport so uh, my dad always told me that track is a journey and you know when you think of it that way you you focus on yourself on a journey like you're not comparing your journey to other people's journey because you're living two different lives you might have two different circumstances um and you know i think when you when you focus on other people you kind of stunt your own growth because you lose sight of what you can be because you're trying to be somebody else whereas if you focus on yourself you might end up being better than the people that you're trying to compare yourself to because if you're comparing yourself to somebody else like you set a ceiling for yourself but if you compare yourself to yourself like there is no ceiling because you can continue to grow um and there's no cap to it so um i think that's i think it's really important for for kids to kind of to take the message of that of my brand and just kind of um you know adopt it for themselves mm -hmm. oh yeah if, if you're working on yourself you can always be better <clears throat> no no one's perfect and you're never going to reach it but you can always aspire you know to perfection but um, hundred percent. Because if you because if you set a goal and then you get it, you just set a new goal. But if you compare yourself and say, oh, "I'm I'm a, I want to be like that person," then once you be like that person, then what? Like, are you gonna you gonna find another person to be, or you just gonna feel like you've accomplished everything and you're done? But if you when you set your own goals and you accomplish them, it just makes you want to set another goal, and then you just keep elevating that way. Exactly. Like you'll see uh, any new like pro basketball player they're like oh this is going to be the next lebron james next kobe bryant and they're like no i want to be the first me i don't want to be the right i hate when people do that yeah just let people be the best them like there's only one of everybody so everybody is unique and everybody's special and everybody has something to offer so i think you do a disservice when you just say oh they're going to be the next so-and-so like no they're the first them like you just said exactly well got two more quick hitters for you uh before closing out so First, uh, obviously, decathlon, you got 10 different events. What would you say is your favorite and then your least favorite event in the decathlon? Favorite is easy. Favorite uh, is the hurdles because I was, I was a hurdler before I kind of got into the multis. Um, least favorite, it depends how you think of it. I think I have the least enjoyment for the 1500 just because it's the last event. Like, that's the most grueling Um so yeah, I would say fifteen. Yeah, it seems to be a common uh, a common choice when I've, I asked uh, decathletes. It's all. It seems a fifteen. It's like, yeah, man, if I can take any event out, I'm taking that out. <laughs> yeah, it's the one that. Yeah, just, it's not fun. Yeah, the one that stinks. It's, it's, it's some people. It's fun to some people. Some people like to just get out there and just run. But I think for me, like I'm, I'm, I'm more of a sprint, fast type of guy, fast push guy. Mm -hmm. So fifteen isn't isn't that fun for me. 
for sure, for sure. And so uh, I know on, on the track, you you train with uh, Garrett, uh, who Olympian this, this past year. But I want to take it off the track first. So I would say one between you two, if you guys had like in, like a who who eats the most, who can who has the biggest appetite, and then second, if it's one on one to twenty one ones and twos, who's winning in basketball? Between me and Garrett, yeah. Uh, appetite. I don't know. I feel like we. I feel like we have a similar appetite, but he's a bigger guy, so he might have a bigger appetite than me. So I think he might have a bigger appetite in basketball. Going to twenty one, I gotta say me. I haven't really seen him play too much basketball, but I think like in a competitive game like that, like basketball, I think that I'm, I think that I'll get him. <laughs> there we go. We might have to see that the, the lineup between the, the decathletes, but Devin, thank you so much for, t- for taking the time to do the interview. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, where could people go if they wanted to learn more about you uh, on social media or anything like that? Yeah, you can follow me um, on Instagram at one D million. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Devin Williams. Um, I'm on Facebook at, I think it's at Devin Williams on Facebook too. Um, or you can support my brand at shopmvm.com. Um, I have a little bit of everything on the website there. Um, but yeah, just get connected to me somehow. And uh, you know, I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Devin, for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who's been listening. This has been another episode of Track World News. If you want more content, go and follow us over on Instagram at Track World News. We post different highlights, clips, things like that uh, that you're definitely going to want to enjoy. But thank you for everyone for listening and peace. Peace.